right, good morning, Kensington. What's up, guys? Welcome, welcome. I, my name is Clint Edinger. If you haven't seen me before, I am the student ministry pastor. So excited to be here with you this morning. I want to welcome all of you. If this is your first time or your first time in a long time, we want to welcome you and tell you that we're glad that you're here. We've been praying for you. We're so excited that you're here with us this morning. Hey, uh, these little nifty programs that you got this morning, they're really, really cool. If this is your first time, we want to connect with you, and, uh, and these things have a great way to do that. So the back page kind of folds in half and then tears off real easy. So if you'll fill out your information and just drop that in the offering later, it's a great way for us to get connected with you. Another way for us to get connected with you is in the lobby. We have this uh, place. It's called Starting Point. There's a big sign, little table, some friendly people around it. And we want to get connected with you. We want to talk with you, learn your name, um, get to know you, and get you plugged in here at Kensington. So there's a couple ways to connect with us. And, uh, and we have a lot of things going on here. We're an exciting church. we got some awesome stuff. And if you want to know what all of those things are and how to participate in them, this awesome sheet of paper that is in your program is your go-to for information. It's got all the numbers to text, all of the websites to go to, and all of the details for all of the things. I'm going to highlight a few of those for you guys this morning, um, one of which is we need some help. Just like the song was saying earlier, um, we are in the, uh, in the last week of our volunteer push for this year. Um, we have had some incredible people step up so far. I think we've had something like 25 people have already signed up to help volunteer, which is amazing. Thank you guys for who, those of you who have stepped up and decided to jump in and serve. But we still need some more help. Um, it takes a lot to do what we do every week, and we need some more volunteers. We want to open up an opportunity for you to get plugged in and to serve and use your talents and your, uh, your experience that God has given you to plug in and help grow the kingdom. So we have some awesome opportunities to do that. Um, we have some tables set up in our lobby after the service. There's different parts of our church that you can help out in, whether it's setup or production or the arts or student ministries, mm, student ministries, or uh, K-Kids. I got the mic so I can push for myself. Um, or K-Kids uh, also need some more volunteers. So if you want to stop by and talk to us after the service, we will be in the lobby to talk with you. Um, we also have, starting up here uh, as soon, is a 12-step program that's gone, done through CR that is designed to help you get through hang-ups, hurts, and, uh, and habits that you just can't seem to get past. So if there's something that you're struggling with, whether it's a habit, a hurt, or a hang-up, and you just need a group to help you get through that, we have a Celebrate Recovery group that's starting up. It's going to be great. Um, so we want to encourage you guys to get plugged into that. You can register online at the website there. And then last but not least, uh, in, in a couple weeks, uh, we are going to have some parent meetings. And I know parent meetings sounds boring, and you guys just started school, and you're like, I'm done meeting with people that want to meet with parents. But trust me, you're going to want to come to this, okay? It's with me, so it'll be awesome. Um, if you are a parent, that's right, you don't have to laugh, it's true. Um, if you're a parent and you have a student in edge or breakaway, edge or breakaway, I want to meet with you guys. I want to get to know you. I want you to get to know me. I want you to know my heart and my vision for student ministry. I want you to get to know our volunteers and our leaders. I want you to understand who is with your kids, <laughs> who's with your students, and, and exactly what our goal is when we gather together. Um, it's going to be a great way for us to get uh, to know each other. There's a big part for me of student ministry is I am here to support parents. I am here to work with and support parents because honestly, student ministry, we can't disciple your kids in 60 hours a year, which is about how often we see them. The discipling happens at home, and so we want to equip you and support you, and so we, to do that, I need to get to know you guys as well. Um, so if you have a student in our ministry, or if you don't have a student in our ministry, but you have a student that you want to get involved, I encourage you to show up to that parent meeting. We're going to do it two weeks in a row during the first service, so you guys come out for that. And then just we want to highlight some of our amazing volunteers. And to do that, uh, Kevin's going to come up here with one of the uh, amazing people that we have here at Kensington and give you all a little story. Here we go. We can give that to, to Ben. So, hey, guys, would you welcome with me to the stage Ben Brooks? Okay, so one of the things... One of the things we've been doing here is every week, while we're just inviting you to be a part of our team, we've been introducing you to just people that serve here. We have a, like 100 people that serve on a weekend to make Kensington work, and we're inviting you to come be a part of our team. Ben is one of our very special volunteers because he is one of the first people here. He is on our setup team, so we need to give him a hand just for doing setup around here, uh, which is awesome. 
um, which means he's here at 6 a.m. most Sunday mornings um, to serve all of us. No, 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 this. It's so good. Um, it's awesome. Thank you. That's better. Um, but no, so Ben, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. First off, like how did you even get involved in serving here with us at Kensington? So um, when my wife and I found out that um, we were going to have a baby, we decided to um, drive forward and, and find a church for us to raise my daughter and our daughter. And we, um, she's from Michigan, so she's familiar with Kensington. And she'd been to Kensington a couple times up there. And she'd been here several times when um, people had visited from Michigan. And so we decided to come. And halfway, pretty much halfway through the service, we decided we were going to make this church our home. And they were just happened to be doing a, uh, a drive, a uh, serve drive that day. And so we just decided that, you know, if, if we were going to make this a home, we were going to jump in and um, just do everything we can. Which is awesome. So your first day you show up, you jump in and you've been doing setup ever since. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, give him a hand for that. First day. Okay. I think he just rose the bar for you visitors. Um, if anybody's here for the first time, uh, I think about 20 minutes, you got to make your decision and then jump in. Uh, but anyways, man, that is fantastic. And you've been here for about three years. Um, so uh, what do you do on Sunday mornings? Like give everybody like a brief snapshot of, of what you do. So basically, I pretty much do anything that's asked of me. I help set uh, the stage up. I help set Ken's and uh, Kate Kids. I help set the lobby. Um, and anything, odds and ends. Any, anything, anything that the uh, the people that know what they're doing ask me to do, that's what I do. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, and so la- last question, second to last question is this. How has serving, because we've been talking about this, how when you step forward and you get involved, like you don't just help the church grow, you begin to grow. Um, and it happens every time. So how has literally doing setup in the mornings on Sundays um, impacted you spiritually? Well, um, it actually impacted me spiritually in, in ways that I didn't expect it to. Um, I found that through serving, I was surrounded by people who loved God mm-hmm. and people who wanted to advance the kingdom of God. And I would, anytime I found myself in doubt or forgetting who I was, um, they're always there to tell me who I am and invite me to inspire me and and push me back towards Christ. And and they, they come to me to do the same for them as well. And so it's it's pretty much I found a, a, a family, a church family. I know mm-hmm. that's a I don't I don't know if you know that's a weird saying, but it they're family, not just yeah. church family. Which is um, cool. I've, I've found lifelong people to do life with. Which is awesome. Yeah, it's kind of like community. You've, yes. you've found community, yes. a spiritual community to be a part of. So last thing, um, there's people out here that have been thinking about it. Uh, they might even be here for the first time. And they're going, man, I don't know, maybe I want to get involved. Um, what would you say to somebody that's just kind of right on the edge? I, I would say, you know, don't hesitate. Jump in. Um, you're going you're gonna to meet some amazing people that are going to help you move forward in your spiritual journey and um, help you get closer to God through community. So I, w- I would just encourage you to do it. You, you're gonna um, you're gonna grow spiritually in ways you'll you'll never you never know until you do it. Which is awesome. And so so here here's the deal. Um, to to jump into one of our teams, um, we ask you to serve once a month, twice a month, whatever you can whatever you can come up with. We ask you to serve at one and attend the other if you're serving where you can't be in the service where you know where Ben serves, he's actually able to be in in any service that he wants. Um, but there's a couple ways to do it. One is in your program, you've got this form to fill out. Clint was talking about it earlier. You can put that in the offering. You can go to one of the tables after the service and talk to some some of our staff there to ask questions and get you plugged in, or you can text volunteer to that number, 407-278-7291. It'll be up there for a few more seconds. You can text volunteer to that and we'll get you signed up that way. Or you can go to our website. But I will just tell you, we have a, we're about halfway to what we need. You know, we were, we were looking for a little over 50 people. We're halfway there. I'm hoping this week we can kind of push all the way there. So jump in. We would love to have you. And uh, with that, we're going to do what we call the Kensington Crunch, where we're going to ask you to stand up, say hello to some people near you. Um, and, uh, and, and if you wouldn't mind moving forward, the service is way better in the front half of the room. Move on forward. And as you're getting up and moving around, talk about what you thought of the game last night between Miami and Florida. It was pretty fun.
this breeze is kicking up. I've been roasting. Yeah. Looks like this heat wave is finally starting to blow over. Don't you think, Bart? Look at them. All of them. Thousands of them here again today. Yeah. You've never heard anything like him before. What do you mean, they? We've never heard anything like him before. Right. Yeah, I guess that's true. It just seems like, even the first time we met, I feel like I've always known him. Yeah, I know what you mean. Weird, huh? Well, I know I had never met him. He's from Nazareth. He just has one of those faces, I guess. Oh, hey, hey, John, he's motioning to oh, us. Oh, yep, time to go. Come on, guys. Look lively. Oh, we're going across the lake. Uh, Jesus, the, the sun's going down and the wind's picking up. Uh, you know, Jesus, I'm sure we could uh, probably just stay here for the night. Someone in this town would probably love to have us for dinner. Right, right, of course. Yeah, I'd be tired too after talking all day. Okay, well, just let us get the boat ready and we'll be on our way. Come on, guys. Jesus, do you think the hey, stars hey. He's sleeping. Man, he must have been really tired. Yeah, being in the sun all day can really take it out of you. No, Peter. There really is nothing quite so beautiful as sailing at night. Yeah. It'd even be more beautiful if we didn't have to hear Bart's stomach growl the whole time. Oh. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> Someone grab that sail! I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it went, by the way. I'm pretty sure that was it. Um, but uh, that was a fun way of bringing up where we're going today. Um, we're going to be talking about fear. And um, 
Every one of us at some point in our lives, we have felt like the disciples have, right? It's like our boat is too small, the storm is too big, we're bailing water, we're throwing everything overboard, and we're hoping we don't sink. We all have seasons where we live like that. And when it comes to being afraid, fear is one of the most powerful of all of our emotions. And I, I don't know, you know, if you ever have been so afraid, you kind of have lost control, or you were so frozen in fear that you couldn't move. Um, I remember the first time I felt fear like that, um, you know, and the, it, it was fear over something that is actually, uh, it actually ranks higher than being afraid of dying, and that is being afraid of public speaking. You know, you guys ever heard that? It's like people fear public speaking more than dying. Um, and, uh, and I used to be absolutely terrified to do this. I mean, to the point where it's like I, I never wanted to do this. I had never dreamed of speaking in front of people. It was never in my plans for my life. I had other plans for my life. Um, and, uh, and I had never spoken publicly to anybody until I was about 19 years old, and I taught a Bible story to like eight junior high kids and um, uh, at this youth group that I was just volunteering at. And so, you know, that first time I had to speak publicly, I didn't die that first time. I thought I was going to die. I didn't die. I did have to change under underwear afterwards, but it wasn't that bad. Um, but after I start, after that, I started teaching the Bible to them regularly, and that little group of eight turned into like 15, and then to 20, 25, and pretty soon I was you know, teaching a small group of them. Um, but I had started so small, I never experienced stage fright. I never experienced being locked up and unable to move until my first time being a speaker at a youth event. Um, it, I was at my first church, mid-20s, and um, we had this group of other small churches that we did events with. And so um, we had this meeting. We were planning a New Year's all-nighter, and they just said, hey, Kevin, why don't you speak? And I was a little nervous about it, but I'm like, okay, I can do that. It's like if you get all our youth groups together, there's like 100 people in the room, and that'd be the largest group I had ever spoken to. And so I was like, okay, I think I can. I think I can. Let's go ahead. And I said, yes. And so it comes up to the night where we're doing this youth event, and I walk into this skating rink where the event's happening, and I am not joking. It is wall-to-wall people. Like, it is like there's more people than I've seen at, at anywhere. It's just like it was packed. And so I walk in there and I got my 12 kids with me and we go to sign in and I just go, I'm like, hey, this is this young girl sitting behind the desk. I'm like, I'm like, hey, how many people are at this thing? And she's like, 1,200 and counting. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I'm like, what's happening? So I send my 12 kids in and I'm not joking. I go sit in a corner. I am hyperventilating. I'm freaking out. I wasn't planning on speaking to this many people. I am now trying to, I'm in full fight or, fight or flight mode. I'm trying to get out of it. Now I'm thinking, I'm like, can I make myself puke? Can I, can I say I'm sick? Can I I just leave. Um, could I die in this moment? Like, I think dying would have felt better at that moment than the way I was feeling. I mean, stomach and knots. I couldn't enjoy the night. I mean, it was that stressful. And so it comes time for me to speak. And so they have everybody sit down in this roller rink. And I mean, it is like there's no room for walking. It is full of people. We're well over 1,200 people. And then there's little old me. I got 15 minutes to share at, you know, close to midnight. And, and I get up there and I am so nervous. I I can hardly move my legs. I had both of them at the same, at that time, and I'll get into that in a minute, but like I couldn't hold them steady. My hands, I couldn't keep them shaking. I could hardly breathe, and I get up there, and I, I give this message, and while I'm giving the message, I'm so nervous. I actually go to take a drink out of a water bottle, completely miss my face, and pour it all down the front of my shirt, and I didn't even realize it. I was so nervous. I didn't know until afterwards when people were making fun of me about it. I'm like, I did that. I looked, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was that like out of body. I'm pretty sure it was the worst message ever. I'm pretty sure kids got unsaved at that event. Um, it was like really, really bad. Um, but, but it was one of those, one of those deals where, um, you know, it was, it was just to prove how bad it was. They never asked me to speak at anything again. I never even led a devotional after that. Okay. Um, but the fear that I had throughout the whole experience, it made it awful. Like, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't fun. I don't look back on it with fond memories because from beginning to end, the fear was so gripping that it made the entire process, the entire night, unfun until it was over. And then for days, you know, you lament, you know, and you don't do things great. Um, but it was just one of those moments where I experienced fear really for the first time that kind of shook me. Um, and uh, just to get us all on the same page, fear is really simple. Um, it's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. And here's the interesting thing about fear, whether that threat is real or imagined. Because that's the interesting thing. You can be afraid and it can physiologically impact you and it could be an imagined fear that you have. Um, and I will just say this, the greatest hindrance from you and me accomplishing great things in our lives is not a lack of talent, 
It's not a lack of opportunity. It's not a lack of giftedness. Oftentimes, what holds us back and keeps us from accomplishing great things in our lives is fear. In fact, for most of us, we are just afraid. We allow fear to dictate where we go and what we do and how we do it. We don't move our lives forward with conviction or faith as much as we move our lives in and around the things that we're afraid of. And we try and move our lives away from the things that we're afraid of and towards the things that are going to bring safety and comfort. And so fear kind of dictates a lot of the decisions we make. We're afraid of losing income, so we stay in a career or a job that we really aren't passionate about. We're afraid of rejection, so we don't ask him or her out. We're afraid of not knowing the right answer, so we don't step out and lead our family spiritually or begin spiritual conversations with people. We don't apply for the job because the one we're in is comfortable and we hate it, but we're afraid of the unknown. We're afraid of being judged, so we don't tell the whole truth about what we really struggle with in our life. We're afraid of what other people would think of us if they really knew us, so we really keep all of our relationships at a very surfacey level. We're afraid of trusting God because we're not sure that he will come through for us so we don't step out in faith. We're afraid of speaking truth to people close to us because we might make them angry or we might, we might, we might make them uh, uncomfortable. And that fear holds us back in so many areas of, us, of our lives. It holds us back from growing as people. It holds us back from deepening our friendships. It holds us back from growing our faith. It holds us back from experiencing the life of adventure that God has designed for each one of us. And a lot of us, we would never admit this And we may not even realize it, but fear has become our guiding light rather than faith. So often we see the wind, we see the waves, we see the storms of our life, and we respond like the disciples in this story. Disciples were afraid. And their interaction with Jesus in those fearful moments is where we're going to sit today because it's important for us to hear what Jesus said to them, because I believe that he wants to say some of the same things to us today when it comes to some of the things that we're afraid of in our lives, even if we aren't willing to admit or we're not really sure um, how impactful those things that we're afraid of kind of lead and impact our lives. So let me pray for us before we jump into the story. Um, Jesus, um, I thank you that you have given us your scriptures and your word and your stories and, and your thoughts in such a way that we can actually learn from what you did 2,000 years ago. God, I believe you have something special and important for each one of us today. Open the ears of our soul that we might hear you speaking directly into who we are and what we are. Um, God, teach us new things today. Teach us new things about ourselves and teach us new things about you. And Lord, I um, just pray that, that, that as your words fall on our hearts, that they would be planted deep in them and that they would create change and and difference in our lives, that we may be different tomorrow than we were today because of talking about you and talking about your word. In your holy name, amen. So today, what I want to share with you is four reasons why you and I can live without fear as we follow Jesus. Key point, as you follow Jesus, I want to give you four reasons you can set aside fear as a constant companion and live a life of faith-filled adventure with God. Because as we get into this story, Jesus' response to the disciples is his response to us. Um, And let me just set up our story. Um, You know, first off, who we're reading about when we read this, if you've joined us for this series, um, you know, we've put the challenge out nine weeks ago to read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I don't know how you're doing on that, but I will give you an out this next week. We have one week left of this series. If you have not read all of it, I will tell you this. Start in the book of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and read John this week, and you will be blessed and you will be impacted because really we're reading the words of and the actions of the most influential person that has ever walked this planet. Think about this. 2,000 years ago, he had three years of ministry, and in those three years of ministry, what he did and said has impacted over 2 billion people on our planet right now are followers of Jesus Christ out of 8 billion. That's how impactful his three years of ministry is. So when we talk about stories in his words, they're powerful. Why? Because they've impacted on a global scale so many of us and many of us in this room. So let me set up the story. Jesus had been teaching everywhere he went. No one had heard anyone talk like him. No one had seen anyone do miracles like he did them. And so everywhere he went, thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of people would show up to hear him speak. Um, and, uh, and as evening came this one day, Jesus wants to get away from the crowds and they go across the lake. Mark 4, verse 35, as evening, evening came, Jesus says, said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. 
But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking over in, into the boat, and it began to fill with water. And so here's the deal. The disciples set out. It's calm water, kind of like our, dra our drama was. They get away from shore, and as they're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, this fierce storm comes up, so much so that waves start breaking into the boat, and the boat starts filling up with water. And that is a great picture of kind of how our lives are sometimes. Like we are living our lives, we're sailing on calm waters, we love calm waters, nice little breeze, we're just kind of sitting back, feet kicked up, but all it takes is one phone call, all it takes is one bad conversation with a boss, all it takes is one accident, um, the serving of papers, one phone call from the school about your kid, one dear John note from a, a girlfriend, or, a, or a, one post on the internet, one poorly worded tweet, and, and immediately the sky gets dark, the, the wind starts blowing, and the waves just kind of start crashing into our boat. It can happen like that, and it can feel like we're going under. And what's interesting about this part of the world and why it's such a good story um, is, is because uh, what happens in the Sea of Galilee is really surprising, and I wouldn't have known it unless I would have experienced it for myself. But I've got a video to just kind of give you how, how big the Sea of Galilee is. It's, it's pretty massive. Um, Melissa and I went there about a year and a half ago, and um, we were on this boat, uh, probably about as long as this stage, with uh, 20 other couples, and we were going to be doing kind of a vowel renewal on the Sea of Galilee on our trip to Israel. Um, um, and it was, it was awesome, um, but on our way back, we came around, like, it's not even around because it's a big sea, but we, there, there's a mountain pass that was up on the hills, which you can see in that video, um, and it kind of dips like that, and then another mountain range, and there's this little, this little chute where this storm, literally, as we got to the edge of this mountain, this storm kind of came right through that chute, and in about 10 minutes, we went from, like, kind of light seas to, I'm not joking, a, bo a boat this big was coming out of the water on the bow. The wind was, went to like 40, 45 miles an hour, white caps, and waves out of nowhere. And I remember being on the boat, and we're like, like people are holding on, and the, it gets dark all of a sudden, and things start blowing, and it never rained, but it came on so quick. I remember being on the boat going, oh my God, this is what we, we see in the Bible all the time, like how these storms come up and these hardened fishermen are afraid for their lives. And this is the kind of boat, like I'm on a big boat like this, and it was pretty, pretty crazy. Here, like they've, they've found boats that they think Jesus probably would have been in, maybe not that one, but the style. And there's a, there's a rendering of one um, that you can kind of see the size of it. So enough for the disciples to be in, but like I'm on a boat as big as this stage and it's having a hard time. I can't imagine being on a boat like that. And away, and, the, and a storm kicks up. So they start doing what you and I would do. They start freaking out. They're scared. They don't know if they're going to make it. They don't have life, life jackets. They don't have a Coast Guard to fly out and get them. And if they fall in the water, um, they're in robes. I don't even think you can swim in those things, right? So they're like, they're freaking out, and they think their life is going to be over. It feels life and death to them, and it probably was, which gets me to the very first reason that you and I can live without fear when we follow Jesus. This is going to seem really simple to you, but sometimes we just need to be reminded that storms are normal. Storms in life are normal. Every single one of us, we're going to have moments and seasons where the skies are gray and the clouds move in, the winds start blowing, and the seas get really rough. And I'm just telling you, you've heard me, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me talk about the storms of life. You're either heading into a storm, you're either in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. That's just the way life rolls. And I want to say a couple things in this point of, of storms are normal, because we get a little wonky when storms happen to our lives. And I'll just say this, storms don't happen because you're a bad person. Because sometimes things start happening in our lives and we immediately go to, I'm a bad person, I deserve this, or, or, or you know, they, storms don't happen because God doesn't love you. I've heard people say, well, God must not love me because bad thing after bad thing. Um, bad things don't happen because the universe or God is out to get you. And I'll just be really frank with you. Sometimes storms happen because you're stupid <laughs> and you make a really dumb choice and you pay the consequences of it. Sometimes storms happen because other people are stupid and they make really stupid choices and you're paying the consequence for their actions. Sometimes bad things happen because accidents happen. Sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Sometimes diseases which are all over this globe tend to happen and get planted in our bodies and we struggle through them. The storms in our life happen because we live in a broken and sinful world that's full of broken and sinful people that choose their own way over God's all the time. If you have a storm in your life right now, let me just tell you, you have it because you're alive and you're human, period. 
And you can trace back to how the storms got there. We all need to do that. But they just are a part of life. And thankfully, if you are a follower of Christ, you are now designed to endure and actually prosper from life's trials. You are actually designed, if you're a follower of Jesus, and this is why if you're not a follower of Christ in this room right now, I'm going to tell you, I want you to become a follower of Christ. Why? Because then there's this ability that you have to now prosper through trials, through storms that God gives to you. So the disciples find themselves in the middle of a storm where they're concerned for their lives. And what's interesting that you saw in the drama in this story, what is Jesus doing in the middle of the storm? He's sleeping, right? Verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I like the detail. And he had a pillow. Like, it's just like, it's like, seriously, the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Now, here's what stands out to me in this verse. First is this, Jesus was a really hard sleeper. Like, you get in that picture? Like, this guy couldn't be woken up for anything, which makes it, if I were a disciple, I would have exploited that every chance I got. I mean, I'm talking Sharpie mustache all day long, right? I mean, I'm talking shaving cream in the hand, tickle the nose. <laughs> Jesus wouldn't even have woke up. I mean, I'm talking put hand in warm water, make him pee his robe. Like, that's what, if I were a disciple, that's what would have been in the Bible. Should be glad I'm not a disciple. That's what would have been in there. And we don't want to pick on the disciples, right? Because they are doing what any one of us would have been doing. They were incredulous and even offended that Jesus would be sleeping during this moment of imminent doom. And they equate him sleeping to a lack of love and concern for them. I'm telling you, and I can relate to this. Their mindset immediately was, if Jesus cared about us, he would be fixing the problem. If Jesus loved us, he would be doing something right now. If Jesus were at all concerned about us, he would be bailing water. He would be encouraging. He would be doing anything but sleeping. Isn't that us? Isn't that us? If Jesus loved me, then my life would be problem-free. If God is a loving God, then why do bad things happen to me? If God cared about me, I wouldn't have this issue. If God cared about me, I wouldn't have this circumstance. If God, God actually knew I existed, this storm wouldn't be existing in my life. And what you find out is that Jesus, in all of his teachings, he says a couple things. The first thing is he says storms are normal. They're going to happen in your life and in mine. And he never promises to not make the storms happen. He never promises to keep you from the storms. He never promises to keep you from all things negative and only give you positive things. The only thing Jesus promises to you and I when the storms happen in our life because they're normal is he promises that the second reason that you can live without fear. Jesus is with you. You want to know what Jesus promises you and I about the storms in our life? He promises that he's with us in all times, in all things, every moment of our life. Even if you feel like his level of concern isn't matching yours or you feel like he is asleep in the boat, what the disciples didn't realize was that just his presence in the boat showed his love and concern and care for them. And I'm just telling you, I have lived through times in my life where I didn't think or believe Jesus was with me. And I'll tell you about one. Many of you know um, about Melissa and I and the story that, you know, something happened to us in our first year of marriage. Um, I don't talk about it too much because I don't want to, like, wear you guys out about it or, or uh, you know, just, just um, get, I don't want you to get bored with it. But when I was 24 years old, Melissa was 23, seven months married. Um, I was helping a lady change a tire late at night, um, at about 10.30 at night, and standing behind her minivan, lowering the spare tire, and a girl changing radio stations in her car um, uh, veered and um, slammed into the back of the minivan going 50 miles an hour, never hit her brakes, with me standing behind the minivan. Um, for, for, for me, the lights went out. Um, the van was parked. Uh, a, a parked minivan mo was moved 30 feet. The impact from a, from a Saturn, a little red Saturn, knocked the minivan 30 feet um, from being parked. They found my shoes actually up inside of her engine compartment after the accident. Um, uh, for me, the lights went out. Uh, the only thing I remember is a brief snapshot of laying on the pavement and, uh, and seeing headlights in my eyes, and that was about it. Um, they take me to the hospital. They don't think I'm going to make it to the hospital. And uh, when I get to the hospital, they uh, check my, both of my feet, um, which you know were still attached to my body loosely, um, and they didn't have a pulse in either one. And so they immediately took me to surgery and worked on me for 12 hours trying to save um, particularly my left leg and kept failing every time they would get it fixed and kind of go to set the leg, the veins would fail. And finally got to the point where, um, you know, Melissa had gone home to shower 
Um, and uh, the doctor actually had to call her and, and just said, hey, ma'am, we've, we've lost him twice. They, they lost me on the table twice, and we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Um, but they, they lost me twice on the table, got me back, and he basically they didn't know if they'd get me back a third time. So they call Melissa at home, and the doctor says, we need to amputate his left leg below the knee, um, but we need your permission to do it. So now she's 23, seven months married. She has to make the decision on whether I keep my leg or not. So they, they talk a little bit, and the doctor finally says, look, it's his, it's his leg or his life. And so, you know, she um, made the right call. She said, let him die. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I was just too stubborn. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, they, she, she made the right decision, and, and they amputated my left leg um, about three inches below the knee. So, so, yes, you know, in the drama, they used me as a prop. I'm good. I'm, I'm good with that. I wonder where we get a leg from. I just have a couple extras in the closet. Um, so... You know, for, for me, I, I don't know anything's happened. They put me in a coma for 10 days. Um, Christmas Day, 97, I wake up. I don't know anything's happened, uh, and I'm laying in bed, and I kind of start realizing I'm the one in the bed, and Melissa and this doctor are talking about somebody that had lost their leg, and I kind of start realizing it's me, and, and it kind of hits me all of a sudden that I'm... I'm the one that, that, that has been in this horrific accident, and um, I find out that I lo- I've lost my leg, and um, the world just kind of caved in on me. I'll never forget this moment. I, I realize it's me, and I look down at the bed, and where my right foot is, um, there's a lump underneath the covers where my right foot is, and when I look you know, where my left foot's supposed to be, um, the bed is just undisturbed. I mean, it's just flat as can be, and it was just, for me, it, I, the realization that life would never be the same just kind of washed over immediate. Just, I just started weeping, you know, and Melissa was crying because she, you know, they told her they couldn't, they didn't know if there was any brain injury um, uh, until I woke up, and so, like, the moment I woke up, uh, you know, she saw, and she's like, that's him. She's like, she knew it was me. For me, I woke up, and I'm like, my life just turned into a living hell. There's pain everywhere. Um, and uh, I really felt like God had abandoned me. I really just felt like, you know, I, I'm, I'm serving you, God. I'm doing exactly what you want with my life. I, for, I had forgone what I wanted. I'm doing what you wanted, and this is what you pay me back with. And I just felt like uh, God had just turned his back on me. And I felt that way just every day. Um, it was just a struggle for about two weeks um, until uh, something really interesting happened to me. They, um, they needed to get rid of all the road debris in my body um, from being hit that hard by car. And you know, I don't even know what happened to my body. I don't know how you get hit by a car going 50 and you're okay or not, well, semi-okay. Um, and so they, they take me to this big room. It's got a bunch of big stainless steel vats, and they put me on this cot, and they take off my gown, and they take off all the bandages on my body. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm like naked laying on this cot, and, and uh, they hoist me up, and they put me over this water, and then they put, put me down in the water. And uh, they take water jets, and they shoot water jets all around the tank into the wounds on my body to flush them of debris. And so they set this thing up, and then the nurse just, she closes the curtain and says, I'll be back in 20 minutes, and she sets a little timer, and she leaves. And it's the first time um, since I woke up that I was completely alone. And I look down, and I see my body without bandages for the first time. Because, I mean, they've had me covered up the whole time. And I look down, and it was just, it was a horror show. It was like there were, there were staples all up and down my legs. At the end of my left leg, they, it, there was not enough skin to cover the muscle and the bone. So I could see muscle through the skin on the end of my left leg. There's staples down my right leg where they took veins out. I've got a rod down this leg, a rod down this thigh. I mean, there, it's just, there's road burns all over the place. It, it was just, I looked down, and it was, uh, it was so pitiful. I'm just like, you just don't come back from this. And so I just, I, I just lost it again. Like I could not control the weeping. And it was kind of like whole body weeping as you're just realizing the damage. And so I'm, I'm crying. I can't turn off the, the tears. And I finally just start getting mad. I start getting mad at God. And I'm like, why did you leave me? I start just all this stuff going through my head. And, and the best way I can describe this moment because it was life-changing for me. I've been different since. And so I, I, I'm mad at God. I'm, I'm ready to give him both barrels. I'm like, I'm doing what you want with, for my life. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm following you, and, and you allow this to happen. Why didn't you stop this? Why didn't you, keep, why didn't you change that car's direction? Why did you have me stop to help that lady? I'm going through all this stuff, and the best way I can describe it is I take both barrels, and I'm ready to just, just basically unload them on God. And when I look into his face... What startled me, stopped me in my tracks, is the best way I can describe it is there were tears running down his face. And it was like this moment, this warmth came over me, I just realized he was hurting with me. 
he wasn't looking at me in disdain. He was crying with me. And it starts kind of rolling in that he had never left my side. I just, I started kind of rolling through the accidents. Like he was standing next to me when that car hit me. He rode in the ambulance with me to the hospital. He was in the operating room when they were operating on me, trying to save my life and save my legs. Um, he, he had never left my side. He was there the whole time, holding, encouraging, helping. And I just, I just assumed that he had abandoned me because of what was happening in my life. And in those moments, the anger started to melt. As I started to realize that God just fulfilled his promise to me that he gives to all of us in Deuteronomy 31, where God is talking to Joshua, who's about to go into a battle that he doesn't think he can win. And this is what, this is what God says to him. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, the, your enemy or the storms of life. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And in those moments, I was just like, he never left me. He was there the whole time. And I, I just crawled up in his lap, just like any little kid, you know, and he just held me, just did what any father would do. He just kept telling me. I just remember him keep telling me, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Just trust me. Everything's going to be okay. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to do my best. Um, went in the tank every day for two weeks. And for two weeks, I cried every day. And I crawled up in God's lap and he just held me because he was always there and he was never going to leave me. Um, and I believe some of you are here because you need to hear that right there. You need to hear that God's not left you because of whatever situation you're in or your family members are in or things that you're struggling with. Jesus is always there. Now, back to our story in the Bible, the disciples literally, they literally have Jesus with them, right? And they find him sleeping. They're hurt. They're offended. And when Jesus wakes up, in verse 39, when Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was great calm. And uh, it made me think of in my house when I rebuke my children and I say, silence, be calm. And there's great calm throughout the house. <laughs> that never happens, by the way. Just kidding. Third reason you can live without fear is um, there's no storm that Jesus can't handle that will ever come into your life. There's no storm that he can't handle. Sometimes I forget that God is the God that he already knows what's going to happen tomorrow. See, I'm worried. I see water coming into the boat. I'm, I'm bailing water out. I'm trying to keep the thing afloat. Um, you know, the, the issue's so big, it's filling the whole front windshield. I forget that God actually sees past the windshield. He sees on the other side of the storm. Um, and in so many passages of Scripture, what he says to us is just trust me. Have faith in me. I'm bigger than the storm. I'm more powerful than the storm. I'm bigger than the struggle. I'm bigger than the trial. There's nothing in your life that can happen that God can't handle and that he doesn't already know about. He can manage it. He, can, he has the power over it. Um, God already knows the outcome because it's like when we're in the middle of the storm, we don't realize it's just another couple miles and there's calm seas and, and bright skies because when you're in the storm, it, it's all encompassing. And when that happens, it's really easy to live in fear. So Jesus, they, they yell out to Jesus. Jesus stands up calms everything, and then Jesus turns to them, and he says in verse 40, then he asks them, why are you afraid? And it's like, duh. Why do you think? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him, and the disciples begin to understand the power of God, that even the wind and the waves obey him. There's no storm that Jesus can't handle. And if they have even just a little faith in, the, in this big God, that they can walk by faith. See, when you realize and believe that there's no storm in your life that God can't handle, you can begin to live by faith, not by fear. When you really believe that God has you and that he's got you, faith in God will get you through. You will really believe that he hasn't left you. You will really believe that you can trust him with your life and you can follow into the unknown step by step. Which gets me to one last reason you don't have to live in fear of anything. Um, uh, but before we get to that last answer, we're going to receive our offering. So ushers, if you guys can come on down. Um, for those of you that are visiting or you're new here, um, please let the basket go by. This service is our gift to you. We're not interested in your finances. We are, this service is actually our gift to you. We're grateful that you're here. Um, for those who call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. And we just say thank you for always being there and always taking care of me in this area of my life. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a, a movement of faith in our lives to give to God even when we don't have much, even if we give a little. It's a, it's an, it's a 
action of living out your faith, believing and trusting God for a future that he promises for you. So let me, let, let me get you to this one last reason that you don't have to live in fear of anything, and it's a church answer um, that you're all going to, if you grew up in Sunday school, if you gave this answer, it's usually right. Uh, but the last reason that you don't have to live in fear of anything is because Jesus says so. Because <laughs> Jesus says so. 366 times we're told in the Bible, don't be afraid. I think it's one for every day of the year, to be honest with you. And so what I want to do is, is throughout my walk with God, there have been passages of Scripture that have impacted me and have, have, have ridden with me throughout my life, throughout the storms, and that I've leaned on to, to just to have that reminder that God knows me and He loves me and He cares for me. And I want to read those to you. I mean, back when I was in my mid-teenage years is when I really got serious about following Jesus. And these two passages of Scripture are two passages that I've literally carried with me since I was 15 years old. I committed them, you know, close to memory back then because they were so meaningful to me in a tumultuous time in my life. But I just want to read them over you. I don't want to comment on them because I believe they speak for themselves. And so I would love for you to just sit back and receive these words from Jesus as if he is speaking directly to you. In Luke 12, Jesus says this, what is the price of five sparrows? Two copper coins? Yet God does not forget a single one of them. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. A little bit later, verse 22, then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear, for life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you're far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what is the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory is not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And he will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock. For it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. And I don't know about you, but gosh, I need to hear those words sometimes. The journey of becoming spiritually mature is getting to the place where you do not fear what lies ahead. Because you realize that storms are a normal part of life. And that Jesus is with you. And that there's no storms that Jesus can't handle. So you can live in faith, not fear. For those of you that follow God, sometimes we need to be reminded of that. And for some of you, the only way you can live by faith in God is to actually step across the line of faith and believe in God and believe in Jesus. And I want to close our service by giving those of you an opportunity that are ready to step across that line of faith, the opportunity to do so right now, because I believe that God has been speaking to you and maybe you've been coming for weeks and this is your time to become a follower of Christ, or maybe you're here for the first time and you're just like, this is my moment. God's doing something in here and I want to respond to it. And so I want to invite you to accept Jesus into your life right now, if that's you. So would, would everyone in the room stand with me? And as you stand, if you would just bow your head and close your eyes, and we'll just kind of do that with all of us in the room. And I just want to invite you, if you're ready to accept Jesus into your life, I want to invite you to pray right now and invite him in. And you can use my words um, as your words from your heart to God's. There's nothing special about the words. It's the posture of your heart. But you can pray something like this. God, today... I choose to surrender my life to you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to this earth to die on the cross to pay for my sins. And I ask for that forgiveness right now. 
God, I give my life to you. And I ask that you would lead me. Help me to live a life of faith and not fear. Bring calmness to my heart, even though the storm rages around me sometimes. And help me even now start following you every day of my life from here forward. In your holy name, amen. Now, I want to ask you to do something that is a little bit scary. Um, since we're talking about fear, get over the fear. I want to ask you, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to ask you to stop by the starting point area out there in the lobby and just tell somebody that you just prayed. And uh, we'd love to give you a Bible. We'd love to share with you how we can come alongside and help you grow spiritually. And the second thing that's, that's really scary to do sometimes is I would love for you to tell whoever brought you or tell somebody that you know has been praying for you in your life, tell them that you prayed and accepted Christ today and that you've started a new journey and you are a Christian. It might be the first time you say those words, um, but I'm excited for you. We are excited for you. And right now there's a party going on in heaven and they are singing up a storm, which is what we're going to do for the next couple of minutes. Um, we're going to just respond to what God is made be speaking to each one of us, um, and we're going to sing together. And as we sing together, I want to encourage you, whatever you're holding on to that you're afraid of, I want to encourage you as we sing to let it go and give it to God and allow him to fill you with peace and faith um, as you release that to him and his leadership in your life. So let's sing as, as you're comfortable and ready. i mm -hmm. 
this week that your life is more marked by faith than by fear. Because Jesus can handle any storm coming your way and he will walk every step of the way with you. And I will tell you what, what was most life-changing in 1997 that happened to me is I realized that God's bigger than any storm. And he's been faithful since then and he'll be faithful to you too. As you head out of here, um, a couple things for you. Um, in a couple of weeks, we are starting a new series on heaven. And I'm telling you, there is nothing more hope-filled that we can give to anybody than to talk about the sights, the sounds, the feel, and the touches, and the taste of what heaven will be like. It is what he promises to all who follow him. And we are going into four weeks of detail. It will be life-changing to understand what God has planned for us. And I will tell you this, will you um, be bold and invite somebody to come with you in two weeks? that has never been to church or isn't going to church anywhere else, would you invite them along with you for a hope-filled four weeks that will be um, just life-altering? And here's my, my, uh, my promise to you. We will do everything on this stage and in this service short of sin to tell them about Jesus and let them know who he is and give them the opportunity to meet him. And your job is to just invite. It's God's job to save them. It's God's job to speak to them. And so if you'll invite, I believe he will show up and do his part. And on top of that, um, I think for some of you, um, your next step is jumping in and getting involved with us. And I just want to encourage you to, to take this to one of those two tables and jump in today. Um, you will not be sorry that you did. In fact, it will start a new journey for you, the mark of a new journey spiritually for you as you begin to help um, build the church up into becoming the kind of church that God wants us to be and that God wants the church to be. So with that, there is prayer over here if you need prayer for anything. I love you guys. I'm glad you're here. Have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll see you back here next Sunday. Take care.